Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to read together the first 19 verses of this chapter. Exodus chapter 15. And the scripture says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. And captains also are drowned in the sea. Ships have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright as in heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. I will overtake, I will divide. Lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness? fearful in praises, doing wonders. Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord. Till thy people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, 
in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Amen. We'll end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless his word to us for Jesus Christ. Where it says, fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. I want us to think on this portion. And I want to do what is suggested by these words. And that is, I want us today, as is my title... At the sea. Now before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now it is the time that thou hast appointed in thy good pleasure for us to hear the word of God. We pray that thou make it to be a lively word, a powerful word, a word that meets the needs of our hearts, that draws us out of ourselves, that defeats the enemy thoroughly, and yet feeds us as the manna fed those who walked before thee in that desert land. O God, bless us, we pray, by allowing the word of God to do its rich work here through the power of the Spirit of God. Meet every heart need. Lord, I pray that you will now help me as your servant. I pray that you'll guide thought and word. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Today, we read what is commonly called the Song of Moses. The song that Moses and the people of Israel sang as they were gathered there on the eastern shore of the Red Sea after the Lord had judged Pharaoh and his armies. Now, we could call this song by another name if we wish, and that is the song of the redeemed. The song of the redeemed. Verse 13 that we read speaks plainly of the deliverance that Israel saw there at the Red Sea as a redeeming work by the hand of the Lord. Verse 13. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Verse 16, our text says that the deliverance was an act of God because he had purchased his people. Other places in the scripture also refer to this day, uh, the day of deliverance, as a picture of the Lord's redeeming work. You say, well, where's that? Well, one instance is Isaiah chapter 43. Verses 1 and following, it says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob... And he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. 
and though the rivers and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee and when thou walkest through fire thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee for I am the Lord thy God the Holy One of Israel thy Savior I gave Egypt for thy ransom the Lord redeemed his people by bringing them out of Egypt and through the sea. Now, this whole incident is spoken of many times in Scripture that we cannot but see that it is perhaps the greatest picture of the deliverance of the people of God from the burden and oppression of sin. God delivered his people by showing himself to be a mighty man of war. Now, I will stop at this point and simply state that the Lord Jesus, in his redeeming work, likewise showed himself to be a mighty man of war. He waged the greatest war against sin and death by the giving of himself on Calvary's cross, as Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 1, verse 3, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us redeem us, purchase us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now, it is noteworthy that the response of those who are redeemed in this scripture have a twofold response. You say, well, what, how did they respond? When they saw the redeeming work of God, how did they respond? Well, number one, from our scripture, you will see there is the rightful and necessary offering of praise in song. They sang. As soon as the Lord had delivered them, there they were on the shore of the Red Sea. And they break into song. They sing what these words are that we have written for us here. Well, elsewhere it talks about the redeemed singing. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 23 says, Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Out, ye lower parts of the earth, break forth in ye mountains, O forest and every tree therein, for the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Psalm 71 says, My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, my soul, which thou hast redeemed. Moses and the people did what was the very normal reaction to the realization of being redeemed from a deadly enemy. You know, when you start understanding that the Lord has saved you from your sin, you might find yourself being somebody who sings a lot more than you used to. Well, there's another response. And this, I would say, is a very serious and solemn response. There is a serious and solemn beholding. There was a beholding. If you look at chapter 14 of Exodus, verses 30 and 31, the people of God did something before. Verse 30. Thus saith the Lord, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw 
or may I put it in this way, Israel beheld, they gave thought. Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord. What does that say? Well, it says this, that Israel, man and woman, old and very young, saw the bodies of the Egyptians washing ashore. This was an awful and fearsome sight to behold, but it was needful for a very important reason. Israel was to remember that their enemy was dead. Understand that again. Israel needed to remember that their enemy was dead. Now, it's not a direct parallel, but there is very much a similar need for us to behold this table to which we come today as the proof of the death of our enemy. Sing, yes, worship, yes, give your, yes, give your life or in love. But also consider, behold, see, think. The Lord Jesus died to atone for our sins. And he won the battle. Our sins and their power are dead. Now, again, I stress the Lord's death is also the Lord's victory. We cannot have any other for the Lord Jesus on the cross, but that it was a complete success of the entirety that God planned to pour out as a plague on sin, death, and the devil, our Savior meant to do, he did do. Think with me for just a second. If we allow these things to be parallel, that the Lord wanted to see the death, of, or the people to see the death of the Egyptians, and he wants you to see the death of Christ, you think about it this way, with me. That makes it so that there is no room for such thinking as those who would say that God only meant to make victory over sin possible. That the victory of Christ over sin was only to make salvation a possibility. Let me put it to you this way. The Egyptians were not possibly defeated. Look at them. They're floating up on the shore. They're not possibly defeated. They are defeated. The Egyptians, now think with me. See if you don't recognize this thought that some would say. They were not mostly drowned by the grace of God. But that the Israelites had to choose for them to drown well. Now, Did you catch that? There are some who will say, oh. Washed away, they can take away, and God's grace will drown your sins most of the way. Israel's sitting there saying, Well, I choose to have the Israelite Egyptians drown. 
And if they didn't, would not have? No. Our sins were put away by the blood of the Lord Jesus. They are in the sea of God's forgetfulness. But there are a few other things that are noticeable of the Lord's victory that day. Three things that we would see from three notable phrases. And I don't have points. What I have is phrases today. I want you to think with me on three phrases. First, point number one. I want you to phrase as still as a stone. As still as a stone. The portion that we read here and are thinking of refers to the sinking of the Egyptians in the sea. You see that referred to in verse 5. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Verse 10, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. And verse 16, they shall be as still as a stone. Now, the point is not hard to grasp. The Egyptians were powerless to escape the waters of God's judgment. I want you to think with me for a second. When God had the waters come back over the Egyptians, the place would have seen was not of some strong Egyptians who were able to swim for a long time but were overtaken by fatigue and eventually. That's not the image here. The image is that they were not able to swim at all. Neither did they float. You think about it. I'll just stay still, I'll bob up to the top and I'll just float until I get... That was not the image as well. Their arms and their legs did not work. The scripture says they sank like stones. In some ways, the words are indicators that the Egyptians were not, not able to wage war, but they were not able to fight against God. But when the Lord spoke the word, and think with me on this, when the Lord spoke for the waters to return, the Egyptians made a You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Dead men don't swim. All their weapons and all their inventions went to the bottom with them. And I say, here's an immense picture. We are remembering the Lord's death today. But his death was not a defeat of the enemy. Rather, a slaying of death itself. He took sin away. I guess here's what I want you to see with me. Your sins, your horrible, miserable, jarring sins, lost their lives at Calvary. Our sins, arms and legs, if you will, no longer worked. They were dead. The Lord Jesus slew our sins 
and the power of our sins. And they sink into the bottom of God's sea of forgetfulness. You know, Paul says <coughs> in Romans that there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You might ask the question, why is there no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus? Well, it's because the dead cannot speak. Your sins can't come back against you anymore. Why? Because they've been put to death at Calvary. They have sunk as stones. Look at this. See what happened to your sins. Remember seriously that your sins are dead now in Christ. Or can I change the thing of our reading here just a little bit built and its rider hath he thrown into the sea well what about my confessed sins and my past coming back to ruin me again I say this stone you tried that you tried to figure out if a stone can swim any of you guys how successful were you in getting that to happen Stones don't swim. Sins don't regain life once they're put to death at Calvary. Truth. Look at me. Look at me from which you have come out by the power and hand of God. Your sins are like the Egyptians. Look Young person, old person, man, woman, look, behold, your sins are dead. The power of Jesus Christ shed blood on Calvary. You're here to remember that today. When you come to this table and you remember the Lord's death, you remember that he killed my sins, as it were, and took them away and buried them out of the sight of God. And by the way, the burial ground, the cemetery in which Christ buried them is as far as the east is from the west. You'll never find that place. My second phrase that I want to consider is this. It says in our text, By the greatness of thine arm. By the greatness of thine arm. The power of God. The hand of God. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 10 says this, Behold, the Lord will come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. The Lord, by the greatness of his own power, has done this work to the Egyptians. But by the power of his own hand, he has done this work to our sins. Oh, the whole dealing with the armies of the Egyptians. And by the way, the Egyptians were killed, seasoned, and vicious. But the whole dealing was in the hand of God. Israel did absolutely nothing but walk through the divide. The truth that God has done all is repugnant to the natural man. The natural man who does not understand the way of God sees the need to introduce something 
Satan's cooperation with God's deliverance. And I think you can think of many ways in which this is true. I would say this, Rome is entirely an example of this. But the song of the redeemed people of God is that there's none like unto the Lord. When he does his work, there is no need for anything more. In fact, if you want to be honest about it, Israel could not have helped in this matter if they had had to. They were utterly without strength. Again, we are to remember that the greatness of the arm of the Lord has put away sin. We could not. Well, let's be honest. We would not. Unless the Lord lifted your sins from you and did the work to save you, you would have been like the Israelites who later complained to Moses, oh, that we had stayed in Egypt. It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. What would have been their end if they stayed? Let me ask this. What would be your end if you stay in the world? What makes you willing to come to God, be a part of the people of God? Well, it's because the hand of God, the arm of God is made. Oh, my point to you this morning is this. Look back at the sea. Look back at the sea. Behold what your Savior has done. You stand safe and sound on the shore of deliverance. But I want you to also think about this. As I say, look at the sea. I want you to notice that the waters have returned to their place. There can be now for those whom the Lord delivers and redeems any way back to Egypt. You'd have to undo all that God did there at the sea to divide it and to devour the enemy. You'd have to undo that to make your way back. You can't do that. By the greatness of thy... And then third, I want you to see this with me. I want, to, I want you to look at that phrase. Till thy people pass over. Till thy people pass over. Now we need to note that this phrase is offered twice. The obvious reason is that the point is to emphasize the purpose and result of the mighty work of God. The finality and completion of the deliverance is to be understood. There was an utter end of the oppression and danger from the enemy. That new state, think of it, that new state for the people of God was to be fully taken in. That's what's why it's twice. The people have passed over. We're up has passed over. We're not what we were. We're not where we came from. We're not where we were. And all that has to do with what would happen things are new. Power of God. That is to be taken in. And likewise I say this. We are to understand and let sink down into our hearts that the Lord Jesus finally, 
for he says it is finished. And completely brought his people through to life and safety with God. Till thy people be passed over. Now let's ask a question. What did the people pass over? They passed over, yes, the same is there, and it says it twice. So we have to ask the question, what did they pass over? Well, I see two things. They passed over from certain death at the hands of the Egyptians. What were the Egyptians going to do? Pharaoh's intent to recapture these people and lead them back to Egypt where they would recommence building his treasure cities where they would again make the bricks. Is that what he was seeking to do? Well, we read the end to Israel when up with them. Verse 9 of chapter 15. Then the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide this spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand destroy them. Let me put it to you very plainly. Your sin is not something that just means to keep you captured. Keep you bound up. In the service of it. It means to destroy. That's the devil's design. Sin will kill. Or as Paul says, the end of sin is death. These people, when they passed over, they passed over from the power of the enemy to destroy them. Sin can no longer destroy you, child of God. Are you understanding that? Are you thinking about that? Are you remembering that? Look to the sea. Look to the sea. They passed over from certain death at the hands of the Egyptians. Second, they passed over the ground of judgment. I want you to think also with me about this stretch of land on which the Israelites went through on the dry ground with the water on both sides. This stretch of ground that they passed over, that was God's ground. It was God's land of judgment. It was in this place that the Egyptians were judged and overthrown. It was in this place that God poured out his wrath. You know, when Pharaoh hardened his heart all those numbers of times there in Egypt, and the Lord lifted from him time after time the plague until there was the need for the other plague, You might almost think about it this way. What was each refusal of Pharaoh producing, if you will, it can't produce, but I want you to think about it. Producing in the heart of the Lord. Refusal to do that which God says. To go with God's commands. Produces the wrath of God. Land in the judgment ground. The people of Israel went on dry ground, for it was made that by the hand of God only. You say, what are you trying to say? This, that the Lord Jesus has taken all of his people 
through the ground of God's judgment when he went to Calvary. We all with him, as it were, went through that place where God's wrath was out against our sin. It was poured on him, but then as it from that to life everlasting Lord's resurrection. The resurrection from the dead was the Lord setting us safe and sound on redemption ground. It's no longer for us judgment ground. It is now redemption ground that we stand on. But the third thing they passed over. They passed over to new life with God. The old life, the old days of Egypt were dead and gone. Egypt was forever left behind. The way forward now was to follow a pillar. A pillar that would not leave them until they were in Canaan land. Does that not sound like somewhat, although it's not a, he doesn't say that he's a pillar, but he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That we have a shepherd that will not leave us until we're safe and sound in that land where he is. To you this thought, that the table to which you come is a looking to the sea. Looking to the sea is a remembrance of what we, by the hand of God, have passed over. We've passed over what the enemy would do to us, what sin would do to us. We've passed over where God's wrath was seen. Into new life with Jesus Christ. We are not standing where we did before. And the way back is closed. To fall back to Egypt would be the reversal of mighty work. So you say, what's the so what? Here's the so what. You... You are to where it is done to you are to remember sins are dead and they are buried forever. That there is now no more to you a because of what you see on this table you have new life with your God you can go on with the Lord knowing his grace his goodness his love his joy his peace oh I say without a doubt that for Israel to gather on the shore of that sea and to look out and to see all the dead Egyptians floating to shore that was a grisly sight and you know, that may have frightened some of the people who saw that. The young ones, the tender-hearted ones. It may have been an awful thing to have to look at. But it was a glorious sight. Grizzly, yes, but a glorious. But I say, Calvary was even more of an awful sight to have to behold. What they did to Jesus Christ. point 
where the prophet says his visage is so marred more than any it was unrecognizable an awful thing to have to think about the broken body and the shed blood it's a hard thing and it may be in some cases to some some fearful thing but it's a glorious thing to remember because of all that it has done we're here to remember may the Lord help us to do so look to the sea look to the sea what do you hold may the Lord bless his word to our hearts for Jesus sake